0: This is an ABC podcast. Hey, welcome to 2023. It's a new year. It's a chance for reinvention, to try things maybe that you've always wanted to try. And on Science Friction today with me Natasha Mitchell, a really gorgeous story about doing just that, reinventing yourself.
1: I was doing research. I was doing experiments with stroke patients in Chicago. And I would do these really long experiments, like I was on my feet for 8 to 10 hours per subject. So I was attending to their needs and I was speaking with them and interacting with them and running this huge experiment with hundreds of variables being recorded. And I would be drained at the end of it. But at the end of every day, I would walk down the streets of downtown Chicago and I would see these colors and these lights and all these crazy American people living out their crazy American lives. And invariably, I would find myself in an open-mic night with music or an open-mic night with stand-up comedy going on.
0: For some, the pull of art can be just so powerful, so enticing, that they decide to upend everything for it. And yes, that goes for scientists too. So I was spending my days as an academic
1: and I was spending my evenings listening to these creative people trying to make their careers.
0: Today you'll meet a scientist who turned his back on professional prestige, on life in the lab, on financial security, on pretty much everything he knew, right? To throw caution to the wind, to upend his life. He had an itch that just needed scratching and that itch, it was art.
1: I had actually tried stand-up comedy a few times and I would go up on stage and I would say something for five minutes, get a few laughs, feel giddy and nervous but happy and then think about my experiments again.
0: Today you're going to meet an artist who has grown quite a global following, much to his complete surprise. So we're starting back in Chicago in the winter of 2013-14 and Nishant Jain is doing his PhD in biomechanical engineering. By day, he's working hard on his research with stroke patients. By night, he's hanging in the clubs of Chicago, and he's on the cusp of a radical personal awakening. There was this
1: very ordinary comic that I would see every other day in one or the other club, running the same material, saying the same jokes, not getting laughs, trying it again with a little bit of, you know, modification, not getting laughs, but he would keep coming back. And something just changed in me like i I saw him and he wasn't so talented he wasn't going to like i honestly at that moment thought you're not going to make it but you're here and you want to do this and i started to wonder why i'm not doing the same
0: you see mishant had been living something of a double life And seeing that comic striving on stage night after night, it triggered something in Nishant.
1: I think of my comfort zone almost like a coffin. It's very comfortable and it's very cool and dark in here, but nothing gets done. I have to go outside it to do things.
0: Nishant was about to do more than just step out of his comfort zone, though. He was about to push back at a whole lot of cultural expectations that he'd grown up with as well.
1: I grew up in uh, eastern India, in the city of Kolkata. I'm a little blessed that my parents left me to my own devices. So I feel like I might be the last generation of Indian people who grew up without the kind of academic pressure that a lot of Indians are feeling today.
0: So he counts himself as kind of lucky.
1: And at the same time, I grew up with the internet becoming this thing. So. This was, this was a very magical time, I think, for a lot of people of my generation, that suddenly you could bond with people who are not necessarily the people around you, but people who already have interests that are similar to yours.
0: He was good at school. He was hungry for knowledge.
1: I would consume all kinds of books and I would consume all kinds of ideas.
0: And he loved making art.
1: I would draw a lot. And like a lot of children, I drew until this age where you suddenly decide that drawing and painting are things for children and
0: you should now leave them behind. Making art just wasn't considered a serious life choice for a smart Indian boy. But in his teens, he discovered blogs. And so behind the scenes, he he kept experimenting with that creative impulse, writing stories and poems and publishing them online.
1: It was a kind of creative expression that I didn't previously think I had the right to do.
0: And he's part of why he felt that.
1: This idea that we can do things that because we want to do them is such a new idea. And it's come to different countries at different phases of development in those countries. The environment around me was that you do the things that get you good employment, that get you reliable jobs. And right about the time when I had to take those kind of decisions, the hot thing was to become an engineer and there since this IT boom, and everybody you spoke to wanted to be an engineer or wanted their children to be engineers. So, you're good at your studies, you seem to like science, so obviously you become an engineer. Obviously. But the fit
0: felt kind of right for a teenage Nishant.
1: I really like to understand how things work, but all the circumstances around how you become an engineer and what gets you to a good engineering school in India, those things have very little to do with what you like or what your curiosities are or whether you really want it because of the intensely competitive atmosphere around getting into these universities.
0: Still, something was nagging at him, niggling away, that he had to quietly suppress.
1: Me thinking that I don't want to be, I don't want to do this traditional thing, This, I don't want to go down this career path, what was a very radical idea. It did occur to me, but it was, it didn't make sense to me either.
0: So Nishant stayed on track. He did his mechanical engineering degree in India. When he did a project on the biomechanics of the knee joint, he was totally hooked. And that interest propelled him into a master's degree, eventually a PhD, which involved travelling between the Netherlands and Chicago. He was taking off.
1: It was about the recovery process of stroke patients. Now, chronic stroke patients have all kinds of movement disabilities, and there are all kinds of reasons for why it ma- what we see manifests as a movement disability, but it has to do with a lot of lot of things at various stages in the uh, neuromuscular system. So the object of my PhD was to break down this invisible black box of a system, and to see the parts, to see how they fit together, to see what makes what move, and then to figure out what is it in the issues associated with chronic stroke that causes this system to not work as well.
0: So he was doing important, valuable research that could change lives. Biomechanical engineering is a really exciting field. It brings together medicine, robotics, materials science and other fields to design medical devices, prosthetics, biomaterials, those sorts of things. And it's creative too, but away from science, he'd been tapping into another creative impulse.
1: I always like to tell jokes, and just for a lark, I thought I would draw a joke. So I, I drew this comic to make fun of my friends, only with stick figures because I was so terrible at drawing. It got a lot of interest on Facebook, people seemed to like it. So comics became this new and exciting thing for me to try out.
0: And it helped him find his voice in a different way.
1: A lot of my early comics, they're very political. It's almost like I'm flexing these new muscles that I didn't know I had. I'm angry about this. Can I share that anger in a way that people relate to it? And a couple of years later, I sort of started my PhD program, and those things started to fall away on the wayside. As I got more and more into this identity that I was now a researcher and I was doing these important things, I started to feel like the dual life was not a good idea.
0: But, you know, itches have a way of tickling at your subconscious, don't they? And for Nishant, the city of Chicago had been doing the same. It had got under his skin. After investing so much time, training, money, into building a career in engineering and research, at 28, he was hit with a confronting realisation. He needed to walk away from it all. And I realised
1: that I had reached the end of my tether with the kind of curiosity that's and the kind of excitement that science generated in me and that being away from my creative outlets was hurting me a lot more than i thought it would it had a greater power over me than i thought it did
0: describe that discomfort for me
1: my fascination as a scientist was not the same as my fascination as a student of science And that was a very crucial difference that I came to understand that if you're trying to be a scientist, this has to be a 200% obsession for you. You should want to think about it all the time. This is your every small and big battle has to do with this. But that wasn't me. While I was surrounded by people who did have that drive. So a part of me felt like a con man and a part of me felt like I was cheating the wonderful people, wonderful colleagues whom I'd learned so much from and who were so dedicatedly into this. And I realized that I should do what I feel this way about. And I should do the thing that makes me want to stay up late at night or think about as soon as I wake up in the morning. And to do anything else is just such a waste of time.
0: What was that thing?
1: That thing, as I, as I realized, was to tell stories.
0: He just knew that he needed to dedicate himself full-time to cartooning and writing. I mean, you can imagine the response from those around him. Yeah, dream on, Nishant.
1: I started writing scripts for YouTube shows. I contacted people on the internet. I sent them scripts that were already written for their channel. And if they liked it, they could ask me to do more. And I got gigs that way. I started writing stand-up for people. I started doing stand-up myself. I made a couple of short films with friends while I was in the Netherlands. So there was all this creative expression happening. And this, this was a field where I was properly ambitious, I realized. I really want to be in this thing. Like, I don't, I don't just want to succeed at being a writer. I want to fail at being a writer. I think that would be a lot of fun. These realizations, they made me see I had no business being a scientist and I really needed to get to, you know, the place where I was willing to struggle.
0: I really love that idea, that he wanted to fail at being a writer, that the satisfaction is in the struggle. But I bet we've all had those moments where we dream of another path. Tell me you haven't, right? I mean, we only have one life after all. It's short. The pandemic has especially brought those feelings into stark relief too, hasn't it? But starting out again is hard and it can be expensive, a luxury that few can afford, And it's definitely riddled with uncertainty.
1: I feel like it was a bigger decision for for my parents than it was for me.
0: Do you remember telling your parents?
1: It's very strange, but my parents are these super reasonable people. Like they listen to arguments and then they respond to reason. (laughs) And I laid out these reasons, much like I told you. I told my father that, you know, I understand success is not overnight. I'm going to fail a lot. This is what I want to fail at, and this is what I can fail at and then keep going. I know it. And I could show him five years of writing or comics and things that had been published and things that people had lauded me for. So this is another argument I made. I said that I'm not running away from science. I'm running towards something that I want instead. And it's much more positive to be running towards things than, you know, just to be in race because you were in it for a long time. So let's just keep running. The entire spectrum of Indian entertainment today is speckled with lots of people who have indeed left engineering degrees and medical degrees and all kinds of traditional paths in order to fulfill their creativity. The, there, there is so much inspiration today.
0: So your parents sound like incredible people and, and accepting, loving, encouraging, but was that everyone's reaction? Here you were quitting a career in science, an esteemed career in science and engineering, and you were proposing to become a full-time comic artist, comedy writer, novelist. You wanted to write novels. This, this to some, would sound like the stuff of childhood fantasies. And I, I agree.
1: Like, I grew up in a world where you don't step out of line. Like, the idea of misfits. Like, you're supposed to fit in with society. You do the things that everyone else does or that everybody else agrees are good things to do. But America showed me this world where... It's full of these people just literally expressing themselves however they want. You'd see all kinds of people on the buses. You'd see all these people with fancy clothing in the trains at night. And it made me feel like it's not so important to fit in.
0: What did your scientific peers think of your decision? It
1: probably says something about me that I didn't tell them that this was what I was going to do. And for the longest time, I had this feeling that if I shared the creative side of my life with the people who were my professional colleagues, that they would think less of me for it.
0: So you had essentially split yourself
1: into two. That's how I felt. I was living this twin life.
0: Many ache to do something else, but they don't have the money or the resources. They've got mortgages or rent to pay. So realistically... Did you have support to be able to make this transition?
1: My wife is a dentist and she's been more than supportive. Like she was part of the reasons I had the courage to leave my PhD behind. Uh, She tells me that on our first date many years before, I told her that I want to be a writer. And this was when I was in engineering school and she thought it's such a silly thing for me to say. So she reminded me of that and she said, you've always wanted to be this. Why don't you just start being it? And... I had this extraordinary privilege as a result to not have to think about my next month's rent for a long period of time while I was developing this craft. I was becoming an artist. I was understanding how I wanted to write. I think though that it's not necessary for somebody to leave behind everything else in their life in order to bring a little more art into their world. I think it has value in your life just as a little thing that you do, maybe maybe you're sitting at a cafe, maybe you're in your home and unwinding in the evening, just to take a few minutes out of your day to look at your world and to appreciate it, whether you do it as a drawing, whether you do it in some other way, that's your choice. But I think it art has so much value beyond people becoming artists necessarily. I also feel one of the biggest losses we have as we grow up is that we become these results-oriented people Do I want, and this is such a common hesitation, do I want to draw if I think I'll make a bad drawing? You don't see a child not draw because they don't draw well. Children naturally paint with crayons and colors and things like that because they simply enjoy the process of doing so. They are process-oriented people. The time I spent being an artist is valuable to me and it has great value. It has, it has great value in making me a better person.
0: Being an artist. An artist. That just wasn't a label Nishan had ever thought to apply to himself.
1: And I decided that I wanted to learn how to draw. Now that I had decided to become a full-time writer and cartoonist, I, I told myself that I can't keep drawing stick figures. There are these other stories I want to tell, which need my characters to be recognisable in and in a location that is recognisable. So I need to learn to draw faces and bodies and people doing things, etc., cetera, et cetera,
0: And to do that, he walked out into the world, sketch pad in hand. It all felt like a kind of covert operation in the early days.
1: I decided I would go out and I would draw and I would sit in a corner in a cafe, draw very quickly and get out before anybody could see me because it's this really silly thing that this grown adult wants to draw people and doesn't know how to draw and look at him trying to do it. And this is this was the voice in my head that this is such a stupid, silly thing to do, Nishant. Let's make sure nobody ever sees you. So let's be really sneaky and let's call it sneaky art.
0: So this was the beginning of what was to become his alter ego, the sneaky artist. Then he stumbled across a gift and a global movement. He'd noticed a hashtag stuck to the side of a city lamppost, hash urban sketching, it read. And he jumped on social media to check it out and a whole wide world opened up to him. They call themselves urban sketches, and you might find one sitting on a train, in a park, at a cafe, with a sketch pad in hand, looking your way. They draw what they see around them, and you might well be in their frame. Nishan had already fallen in love with the city he lived in at the time, Chicago, and now his muse was about to teach him how to draw as well. In happy coincidence, he found out that the global symposium of the urban sketching movement was actually about to happen in that city, and he hasn't looked back since. You decided to document your learning process and and share it with others, and it's all become pretty huge. So you host and create the Sneaky Artist podcast. You've got a blog. You've got a newsletter. You've got an Instagram account. How big has it got?
1: I don't know how to make sense of it. Actually, it's one of the interesting problems that I've faced since uh, leaving behind the engineering life, the uh, academic life. It's very difficult as a creative person to measure your progress. There are no nice numbers or quantifiable metrics that you can use to say that you've grown so much or you're doing so that well or this, this uh, you're this big. And it took me a long time to be okay with this fact that I don't know these things about my work. How am I ever going to tell, tell other people how I'm doing or how am I going to feel good about what I'm doing? I know that I have thousands of readers and I know that a lot of them commission me to do work and I know that I stay very busy And I know that podcast listeners get back to me and tell me how much they like the show. And but for the longest time, I didn't give myself the permission to use the word artist. And I think I posted the first print I ever sold. The first art I ever sold was something that I drew and posted on Reddit. And it was a skyline of Chicago and someone saw it and they wanted a print of it.
0: So just so people know, Reddit is a massive online community uh, where people rave about all sorts of topics. And it can be quite controversial, but it can be incredibly useful Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And someone wanted to buy it. And I thought that was the most bizarre
1: thing ever because until now, I'd only thought of myself generally as a cartoonist. I took a lot of confidence from that first sale and I started to chase that feeling.
0: Now this former engineer doesn't just call himself an artist and a writer, his fans around the world do too. But he says he definitely brings an engineer's eye to his art making.
1: If you just sit and you look at the world around you, you'll find moments of exquisite beauty. like Just some people talking to each other with someone else behind them who doesn't know them, but seen from your point of view, they form a beautiful combination of shapes, Or figures or whatever have you think different things appeal to different people sometimes it's just an explosion of colors a certain way. The job I have given myself as a sneaky artist is to spend the time to kind of extract that beauty from the things that I see. What I offer is less information, a less densely packed world. I try to simplify the world I see into lines, into just scratches with ink. And when people look at it, they sort of place the elements of their own life in those places.
0: There's something beautifully whimsical about these sketches of of places that you do. And, And you are connecting to people all over the world through your work now. And I wonder how that has changed your sense of yourself how making art has changed your sense of who you are in the world.
1: It's made me so much more observant. It's given me this superpower in that I'm never bored. So as an engineer, I was curious to know how machines work. And then I was curious to know how the human body works and how the mind works and how, how, how does it work when it's not working well. And now as a writer and as an artist, I apply that, those same questions to the world around me. Once I had left India and I became an immigrant, first in the Netherlands, then in the US, I started to see the world in a different way. Suddenly, I was not a top dog, for example. In India, I am right at the top of the hierarchy. I'm a brown male from the majority religion. Nothing's gonna affect me. Suddenly, I was in a world where I was not at the top and... It made me see the world in a different way. I suddenly felt the need to better understand this world that I live in and to ask how it works. What is it that people do in this place where I am this outlier? And this sort of curiosity would later become sneaky art as well.
0: Before Nishant and his wife moved to Vancouver, where they live now, they spent time in a rural part of Wisconsin for his wife's job. His art really became a way for him to connect.
1: When I was living in rural Wisconsin as the only brown person for a large distance, there's a deep sense of discomfort that comes with that and in being in unfamiliar places. If I was not an artist, I do not think I could have reached out to this community. People like to see something of their world as it looks to someone who is not of their world. So people like the outsider's viewpoint they found that I had something fresh to show that I was finding wonder in things that they had started to take for granted I think in general we are looking for permission in life from all kinds of from all kinds of sources and taking it all the time from all kinds of sources and as I've learned over the last few months for a lot of people I am the person giving them the permission to express themselves creatively to spend a little more time just looking and appreciating their world.
0: Look, it's been so wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Natasha. Thank you for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure.
0: And you can find Nishant Jain via his Sneaky Artist podcast and website. And you can find me on Twitter at Natasha Mitchell. Hey, Science Friction is produced by myself and Lisa Needham. Happy New Year from all of us at ABC Radio National and ABC Science. Bye.